This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. What happens, though, is that people move to Tahoe, and this is, this is what I heard a lot of. They move to Tahoe for work, and then they get trapped, and they're always behind, and they're always struggling, and then they're in a cycle. Welcome to Range. I'm Amy Westervelt. And I'm Julia Ritchie. That was Mia Kong you heard from in the intro. She runs a company called Domus Development, which is the only developer that's made affordable housing in Tahoe in about 30 years. We know um, affordable housing is an issue everywhere, but I mean, we, we always see the most severe stories coming out of places like San Francisco and Seattle. Um, but we don't really hear about places like Tahoe and then and the smaller sort of enclaves that have really huge wealth gaps. Yes, especially what, what happens in a lot of these towns is that you have this large, wealthy second homeowner market, and then you have uh, fairly wealthy tourists coming in, and then you have everybody that services those people. Exactly. <laughs> like, are not or not living the like mansion lifestyle. I've heard people say that um, they there's a very vibrant barter economy because it's so expensive to just pay your rent and utilities that people kind of just trade for everything else. Um, which is crazy when you think about it. Like, wow, okay, it's the United States, but people are trading like haircutting services for food. Right. And this is something you opened my eyes up to when, uh, you know, because I was in Reno for so long. And, and you can see where the the okay parts of town are and where the not okay parts of town are, right? And in Tahoe, it doesn't feel like that. It's one lake. It's one road that goes all the way around it. And so you don't really uh, pay attention to what's a ski chalet and uh, what is essentially a, a motel that uh, people are living in as families. There are a lot of policies in place that sort of unintentionally make it difficult for affordable housing to happen in Tahoe. So on top of the fact that the property there is very expensive and there's not that much of it, it was also sort of sliced up into these small postage stamp size lots a long time ago. Um, back in the 60s and 70s, really the majority of people who were building homes there were building summer cabins and things like that. There was not a large permanent community. Plus, a lot of the development policies that were drafted in the late 70s to try to minimize the impact of development on the environment also had the impact of making it pretty hard to build high-density, large housing, which is what you typically want for affordable housing. Then we also lost the California Redevelopment Agency, which had incentivized affordable housing for a long time. So you're sort of left with this situation where it doesn't make a lot of financial sense and there are zero government incentives to make anyone want to build affordable housing. So Mia Kong that we heard from up top 
from Domus Development, she is just sort of the type of person that likes a challenge. And everyone had been telling her for years that there was just no way to build affordable housing in Tahoe. She kind of pushed through it anyway, even though it didn't make a ton of sense. Um, But, you know, most developers probably aren't going to do that. Here she is kind of talking about the realities of, of building affordable housing in Tahoe. It's too hard, too expensive, too difficult. So we had to have 12 different entitlement processes. And then we had to go jump through everybody's hoops. The reality of affordable housing is that it costs a lot to build, and you never can earn the kind of revenue, you know, renting it or selling it that you could for a market rate development. So something has to happen where someone is subsidizing the gap. They're almost incentives for not doing high density stuff because the concern back then was that, you know, there was a plan on the books to have a million people living around Tahoe and a freeway literally going over the top of the lake because, you know, it was the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> that one always that always gets me is the the freeway over the pristine Alpine Lake Tahoe. The 70s were just a weird time. You know what I mean? It's totally. Just- Totally. It was just like fondue, shag carpeting, and freeways everywhere. <laughs> freeways to freebase cocaine off of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were, it was basically like, you know, everyone saw Tahoe in the Olympics. It was the first Winter Olympics that were televised. And I didn't know that. And they were the first Olympics televised in color, which is really interesting. So people were just like, wow, Tahoe's beautiful. And it like just kicked off this huge development boom there. And so the the kind of early environmentalists there were really like, okay, we need to put a system in place that's going to crack down on development, which was appropriate for the time. But now you have this very vibrant kind of tourism economy that, that really relies on a large community of people who make minimum wage. And the, like the kind of the big solution always is, oh, well, they could live in Reno and commute. But like this winter is really showing how impossible that is. So we've gotten just hammered by these snowstorms. The roads between any of the Tahoe towns and Reno have been closed most right. of it's the a, winter. It's, it's not an easy commute. And yeah, even in, under the best of, of circumstances, it's like 35 minutes minimum, just depending on, minimum, on where you yeah. are in Reno and where you're going in, in Tahoe. So it's not like it's some you know, round the corner kind of thing. And they're not, and you and you mentioned that a lot of these second homeowners don't rent out their homes when they're not there. Right. So actually the vast majority of them don't. So there was a, a study done recently of Truckee and North Tahoe. And they looked at, you know, kind of like what's the housing stock like, how many residential units are available, what's being rented and what's not, what are second homes, all that kind of stuff. And they found that um, 65% of the homes in the area were second homes and that like 85% of them were not being rented out at all. And then um, the majority of the ones that are being rented out are being rented out short term because that's just more lucrative and kind of less of a hassle. So I know you've been reporting on this for a while, but I, I was curious who you spoke to uh, who really is working on this like as a as a like who's really serious about fixing this. So the Tahoe Truckee Community Foundation commissioned this study and they got actually a lot of flack for it because people were sort of like, we don't need a study to tell us this. Everyone who lives here knows this is a problem. But their thing was like, yeah, but we have to have it in writing and we have to have verifiable data so that we can go to HUD 
and say, look, we know it looks on paper like we have 30,000 housing units for a town of 17,000 people and that that means we don't have any housing problem at all. However, those housing units are all second homes, you know, (laughs) or like the majority of them are single family residences with three or more bedrooms, which is just like, you know, it's not affordable for, you know, a single person or a couple, nor is it even really like what you want. Even if you're making a decent salary, like you don't really want to have to be dealing with cleaning a three bedroom house if you're one person, you know, or, um, or a couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so there is kind of this like drive, to use this study now to influence local policy and to try to get HUD to to um, give them some amount of subsidies and grant funding for affordable housing for low income, but also for more what they call workforce housing, which is less income restricted. Um, because a big part of the problem, too, is that you've got a lot of people who don't quite qualify for low income housing, but also can't afford the housing that's there right it's, so it's like a little bit like the, the medical and the healthcare problem right now where there's a pretty big yeah. donut hole in um, some yes, states in the yeah. middle donut hole makes it sound too appetizing but yes that the people that you know can't get on these um can't get government assistance but also maybe don't want it you know and but they also don't make enough to to fully fund everything that they need in their lives be it shelter or healthcare and things like that This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So there's kind of a tendency in Tahoe, as there is in any tourist town, to sort of vilify the second homeowners. Um, There's a real sense of like locals versus not locals or haves versus have nots. And Stacey Caldwell, the CEO of the Tahoe Truckee Community Foundation, which ran that housing study I mentioned before, um, is really careful to kind of caution against thinking of it in that way. There's been a lot of talk around getting second homeowners to contribute to solving the housing crisis. And there's still some talk about that. But there's also kind of a general understanding that, like, look, a lot of people don't get involved in the communities they live in full time, never mind where they vacation (laughs) for a start. And then Stacy had some good points about the realities of kind of needing a certain amount of people to remain second homeowners. The reality is if all the second homeowners showed up to live here full time tomorrow, we wouldn't have the infrastructure to handle it anyway. So this is not about us and them. It's just about making sure that we're creating a balance for our own local community so that we can really support and sustain this region. One of the things that's been talked about um, by a lot of the local towns, I know Truckee's looking into this, um, is relaxing some of the permitting around building in-law units and building small homes. So there's like some meetings happening right now around adjusting some of the permitting, incentivizing, you know, high density building more, um, incentivizing second homeowners who who know they're not going to be up for like a year or more to long term rent their places. How do Um, they, um, just curious, how do they do that? 
to make those well people. that's kind of that's like what they're talking about you now give them is a like tax break do or? we yeah exactly like do we give them a tax break on property tax or do we make it um, financially onerous to do Airbnb or short-term rentals um, you know generally the the sense is like to to go more towards incentives and regulation but um, I know there's been some some stuff happening in Aspen and Park City where they limit homeownership somewhat you can qualify for um, certain homeowner loans if you agree to um, live in your residence for the first year at least and or long-term rent it so there's some of that mm-hmm. kind of being talked about of like okay how can we make this attractive to people to want to do this instead of trying to force them to do it. There's also some um, talk about giving developers incentives to build more high-density stuff, too. I started asking around town for people who had either experienced some issues with the housing crisis themselves or knew someone. And one woman referred me to this teacher, Lauren Suddy, who had been living in an RV for about six months just because she could not find a place to live. I caught her on the day that she and her boyfriend were finally moving into a place that they had found, and she gave me a tour of the RV that they had spent six months in, including a winter with two giant dogs. We call it the mobile mansion. <laughs> I mean, I know people living in cars, so this is like luxury compared to that. We had our bed up here, the TV. Um, I made the shower a closet. This was my closet. I hung all my work clothes here, and we didn't shower in this. We showered in the RV park. They basically were living in a place, and then they were told they had to move and they found a new place they thought everything was good and then like the day before they were supposed to move the people called them and called it off and by that point like they had already told their landlord they were moving out the landlord was selling the house so like it was sold (laughs) like they couldn't stay there and they had all their stuff packed up in storage and she's like you know these people are locals I I couldn't believe that they would just hang us out to dry we had a U-Haul truck in our driveway. I mean, our whole house was packed. And our, we had already told our landlords we were moving out. I mean, we had no place to live. We were going to be homeless. Just for a local couple to do that really cut us deep, to tell someone two days before they think they're moving into a house. And to not know if they're going to be homeless, to not know what their plan is, to not ask, say, you know, we don't think we want to rent anymore. Can you, know, can you guys move in for two months or six months and then be done? They just said, no, we're not. We're done. Wow. I know. And this trailer was tiny. Anyway, so um, the woman who works at the Family Resource Center qualified for a a first-time homebuyer loan that was funded in part by one of these mega second home developments. So this is one of the things that happens a lot is they're, they're like, okay, you can build a bunch of mansions, but you have to put money aside in a fund for first-time homebuyers. So that sounds great. She and her husband qualify. It's $500,000, which they think should be more than enough money to find a 
modest house. They couldn't find anything that was in their budget. So they um, ended up moving to Reno. Now she has she commutes to her job at the Family Resource Center. Her kids still go to school in Truckee because she didn't want to pull them out of school. My name is Elvia Lopez Esparza. I was born and raised here in Truckee. And I have been working for the Family Resource Center as an office manager for six and a half years. I still, we still commute, work here in Truckee. My husband works for an excavation company in, for El Pombo. He's been there for over 10 years. My kids are still attending um, school here in Truckee. Um, and it's just, the kids are not minding the commute now, but I think it's going to be um, even harder with time. Um, and more because sports are starting. Um, it's going to be a, a bit of a hassle to try to figure out how I can manage both work, sports, and just have them um, maintain their activity here with uh, Truckee. Um, I want them to stay here in Truckee because this is where I was born and raised, and I want them to uh, continue to love and be a part of Truckee. So uh, that's just going to be a struggle, but we'll, I guess we'll manage. We would love to come back to Truckee eventually if the housing crisis ever gets better. We're pretty active in our community, and that's one of the things that um, I'm sad about is that we're with my kids and just having to move to Reno, I kind of had to step back from that. And... That's tough. I've just never been that tied to any place that I live. For some people, like that's a real part of who they are. And it is very important to them psychologically, a part of their identity. And she was just really upset about the fact that she basically wasn't allowed to live where she wanted to be. What is San Francisco's responsibility for Tahoe's crisis? Because so many of those second homeowners do come from the coast and the Silicon Valley area where there is already a, a housing crisis and now they're able to replicate that in another part of the state. So yeah, Tahoe is generally considered a secondary market to the Bay Area, which means that it's highly affected by anything happening there in housing, just in terms of property values and sales prices and things like that. The lion's share of tourists at Tahoe are also coming from the Bay Area, and the largest number of second homeowners are from there. So there's definitely a um, pretty tight relationship between those two areas. I moved up here about three years ago from the Bay Area, so I still have a lot of friends down there. I know quite a few people who have second homes up in Tahoe, and the vast majority of them, I would say, are completely unaware of the housing problem here. Um, it's just not something that you think about coming to Tahoe from the Bay Area. Like you're coming for the weekend, you're going skiing, you're either staying in your vacation home or staying at a friend's place, or maybe you're staying in a condo or a hotel, and you know, you just don't really think about it. One thing I've heard about more recently is that there's been an increase in the number of Bay Area folks who are buying residences in Tahoe because they can't afford them in the Bay Area. 
So the thinking there is the prices are just out of control in the Bay Area. People who can't afford to kind of get on the property ladder there will buy their second home in Tahoe and be renting their primary residence in the Bay Area. You're seeing a lot more people from San Francisco and L.A. Um, move to especially the Nevada, like just across the state line side of Tahoe, because either they um, are just tired of paying taxes in California mm-hmm. or they just like made a bunch of money in an IPO and they don't want to pay tax on that. So they hop the state line to Nevada. Which doesn't have a, an income tax. Yes, no income tax. And now you have an entire there's like a whole economy building up in Incline Village, which is like the first town across state line um, on Lake Tahoe in Nevada. You have this whole economy building up of people who will go and like turn your lights on and get mail and stuff for you so that you can pretend that you have a primary residence in Incline. (laughs) That sounds like a great racket. I know. So you'll, you'll like walk down these streets where supposedly all these people live and there's like not a soul. Um, (laughs) But they can't, they also can't rent it out because then the jig would be up that they're not living there. Right. So, yeah. So I talked to this guy who, um, you know, isn't one of those guys. Like he moved up to Tahoe thinking that it would be cool to um, like start a tech hub up there and like allow, you know, create jobs that aren't tourism based and, you know, tap into the fact that you already have all these Bay Area people that like to go there and you have a lot of them that have retired there and everything like that. So he and his business partner were have started an incubator there and they are trying to attract like startup companies there and also trying to provide jobs for the young people there so that they can stay. Basically, um, I moved to Incline in the summer of 2015, six months prior, probably eight months prior, my business partner was trying to sell me on Incline. And, you know, it's funny, we talked a lot and I was talking about housing and I'm, you know, I was living in LA and Manhattan Beach at the time, pretty expensive. And he was just throwing me Craigslist ads like, like you can get a a four bedroom, beautiful house for like three grand a month or 2,500 or less. And, you know, he was right. I was looking at all these Craigslist ads. I'm like, okay. And this was six months prior to me moving. So I was like, housing's not going to be an issue. I was like, I can, I can get rid of that. Cause I always thought incline was expensive, but there was a lot. And he was sending me like three, four links a day of like beautiful homes at like two grand a month, 2,500, yeah. uh, which is what I was paying for like my little dinky place in LA. So um, six months later, I move up, start looking again myself. And in that six month window from probably January 015 to summer 2015, um, there was like nothing, you know, I could barely find a place. So when I, when I first moved up, I was like, what is going on? Where's all these Craigslist uh ads we were going back and forth over the last six months and he's like I don't know he's like I I don't know what happened I mean this is like you know a year and a half ago so um I basically looked full-time for a place when I moved to Incline for three months every day all day no dog single guy I don't care how many bedrooms I honestly don't care how much rent is like I'm the perfect tenant you know I'm the perfect renter um going to all the property management companies and so took me three months to even find anything and it was like an eight-month lease which you know 12-month leases don't exist anymore (laughs) I don't think so um 
so that's when I first moved is like, I, even in the six to eight months I was talking about moving up to when I actually did it, everything flipped. And I think it's a fairly recent thing in the last two years. And it's, this summer's even worse. But yeah. yeah, that was my first kind of entry is like, I thought that would be the least of my problems. And right when I got to incline in July, I was like, that's the biggest problem. But like as a, as a, not only a business owner, but someone who's trying to encourage other businesses to come to mm-hmm. incline, like is that, how does that affect like, is that problematic? It is. I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's just our number one issue. You know, starting a tech company, you think, oh, you're starting a tech company in the woods on the lake. Like, that's no way. Like, we can find talent. We can find anything. Um, the housing is our number one issue, and it has been since we've opened up. And we're working on some solutions right now. We're looking at multi-units. We're looking at investing in some properties for our employees. Um, there's some options out there. We haven't figured it out yet, but, um, you know. Like, as a tech company, I mean, tech companies tend to pay more, tend to pay higher salaries for, like, engineers. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's what we're trying to do is, is build some kind of tech ecosystem where it brings more high-paying year-round jobs where people live there full-time. Mm-hmm. And the full-time residents are the ones that own the homes, not the ones right. that don't live there. Like, that. that's the only thing that will kind of fix the market, yeah. if you want to call it that. But, um that's the thing is like it needs there needs to be more business more companies coming in with higher paying salaries it can't just be based on tourism right um you know i don't know what's going to happen <laughs> i don't know what the future is i mean um yeah we're just trying to solve it for us but everyone's having the same issue yeah and so um can you talk about where you live now like where you have you found a place that's a longer lease now or yeah no i, I haven't <laughs> i um <laughs> so after I moved a bunch of times this summer, I finally found, um, I still, the summer, like I said, you can't find anything in the summer. So in May, June, I found a month-to-month studio above a garage, detached garage, in the middle of the woods. Um, literally because I couldn't find anything else. It's not bad, it's just a little studio, it's all redone and everything, but um, yeah, now I'm just starting to look again. Um, and I'm not looking for a rental. <laughs> I'm looking to buy. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to keep doing this because it's not going to change. It's not going to change next summer. It's not going to change the summer after. So, you know, the solution is if you can do it, buy, because you will make a lot of money. I mean, you know, a buddy of mine, you know, is about to buy a property and he's going to he's gonna make 200 grand when he signs the documents when he buys it, like just because the values and what you can rent for and it like it really is crazy, and, and properties stay in the market for about two days. So it's pending after two days in incline. So I know I've been looking for a year. Um, I found two different condos I made offers on in the last week, and they were gone the next day because someone comes comes in with a cash offer, all cash offer at asking. That's how crazy it is. So I mean, wow. if you don't act within 24 hours and put an offer in at asking, don't even play. You can't play games. Like you can't even go do the back and forth. It's just like. Like, oh, we, we got an all-cash offer at, you know, 50 grand more than asking price. So we're going with that. Um, that's how it is. So I'm looking to buy. I just need to find something that I act and move on. And you, I know I'm not going to lose money on it. I'm just, I can't rent again. <laughs> it's, I think the longest I've seen anything on the market that I was looking at is like four days maybe until it's gone. So, um, yeah. Even like fixers or you mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking at. We're looking at multi-unit complexes. Like I, look, I was looking at a six-unit complex, and then now we're looking at a four-unit complex um, because I want to, you know, buy it, redo it. I know the rental prices. Rent out three of them. I live for free and get income coming in every day. So like that's what I'm looking for. I'm, I want to take advantage of this market right now and make make a lot of money on it. That's that's what I'm looking to do. I'm not looking to fight renters to find a place. Like I'm looking to. Yeah.
don't have runners. <laughs> um, if you if you can't, you got to be on one side or the other. I'd much rather be on the, the other side. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. dreams tend to immediately become part of a homeownership class and so then there's the renting the rental class and the homeownership class and and it's a it's like a classic American um, divide <laughs> among amongst all the divides we're seeing right now politically like there has always been a natural tension between those who rent and those who own. Yes, totally. And it's been like, it's been really interesting to see it um, so up close. I'm like, this is such a microcosm of like this issue across the country. A lot of the people I talked to in on the Nevada side were like, well, yeah, I was just tired of paying California taxes, which I'm like, yeah, I can appreciate that. I'm kind of tired of paying California taxes right now myself. <laughs> However, it's sort of this, I don't know, it's this constant thing of do you pay into a system that that tries to help everyone on the ladder or do you just focus on what's best for you and figure that everyone else will do the same and it'll all kind of work out I don't know right and you probably because you were once a homeowner and now you're a renter I've always been a renter so you've seen it on both sides Truckee is the first place I've lived where this divide is very obvious um, in we've lived in three different neighborhoods in town now and in every single one the neighbors will kind of come around the first week or two and the first question is always whether we rent or own and then once they find out that we're renters it's like we literally never see them again they are just sort of like oh and I, you know part of that is that Truckee is kind of a transient town and that there's a sense of like you're not a real local until you've lived here for 10 years and you know if you're renting then you're probably temporary um, so that's part of it but there is also this kind of weird class thing about it, too, that we've noticed, which I definitely did not ever feel in the Bay Area because there's so many people renting. The other thing I'll say, too, is that, you know, as I was kind of interviewing people and talking to the Family Resource Center and everything else, I was kind of like, you know, I'm not far removed from this situation. <laughs> I'm pretty much living it myself. Um you know, we, it's expensive to live here. There's not a lot of high paid work. I have to pick up jobs in the Bay Area that pay more. We've worried about our landlord selling this house that we're renting now um, or raising the rent because she totally could. So far, we've lucked out and that hasn't happened, but I definitely have a lot of friends that that has happened to. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. And, you know, I feel like we're reasonably secure and it's still pretty destabilizing to have this whole housing thing kind of be up in the air all the time. So it is something that really impacts all of the, the community here. This 
episode of Range was produced by me, Amy Westervelt. And me, Julia Ritchie. All of our original music is by the talented Mr. David Whited. If you like what you heard today, please consider giving us a rating on iTunes and hop on the Range Wagon. We're also available on the Stitcher app and on the website of our partner, High Country News, at hcn.org. To get two free issues of High Country, go to hcn.org slash try me. And if you have an idea for an episode, want to share some feedback on this episode or any others, or want to share your experience of renting or owning, shoot us an email at howdy at rangepodcast.org. See you next time.